welcome to Kim and Nikolai from Mül. So basically, I'm doing a mini-series where I'm trying to see the psychological effects of extreme music from the musician's point of view. Um, I've interviewed a lot of yeah. uh, normals like me who listen to your music and how it affects us and why we like your kind of music. But I'm also trying to get into like the musician's mindset of how, you know, what it's like, the process of writing this kind of music, how it feels all that kind of stuff. How did you guys get into extreme metal? What was your journey into metal? Do you want to start, Kim, or should I? I think you should start. Okay, okay. Um, my um, sort of journey into extreme music or metal, if you will, um, was quite late. And I did it after, sort of, um, it was maybe like, actually, I think maybe 12 or 13 years ago, uh, I was really into like shoegaze and alternative rock um, and then bands like uh, Alceste uh, and Death Heaven came along and kind of merged metal and, um, and shoegaze and that kind of really pulled me into uh, to metal and um, all the things that I think that metal can offer uh, that really intrigued me and uh, since then it has sort of expanded into uh, a lot of other bands that I also really like uh, both uh, hardcore bands and uh, deathcore and um, metalcore and also thrash so so um, i think um, i've really sort of taken it in it's not everything that i listen to is not just uh, metal but i also sort of also really like um, the alternative music and uh, bands like sonic youth uh, which also have some i think extreme sides to it um, um, but yeah so that, that was my sort of yeah overall very brief sort of journey into uh to metal uh, and i think and I, I think it just um there's the things that like, like alcest uh, the things that they brought to uh, to it uh, and they that they've kind of merged uh, with shoegaze and also metal and same thing with uh, death heaven is sort of the uh, melancholic aspect that i really like and i think that uh, uh that i think uh metal also kind of in, in, in catch, uh, encapsulates uh, very well and that's also always been something that i really um that i've been drawn to uh, if i can say so yeah it's cathartic it's cathartic exactly it really exactly. is we'll get on to that okay uh well my world into metal um it started out really young <laughs> um i think i got a cassette tape uh, with uh, all like like children's songs on and it used to be my uncle's as i was about like five years old uh and um it had had been re-recorded with a lot of kids songs and then the the last two minutes of the the tape was with battery uh, from metallica uh, and i uh i was you know, five years old, and I grew up in a pretty, pretty religious home. And I th thought, I think, I thought I discovered something that was really forbidden and not allowed. Um, so, but, but I know that that last bit of of the tape, I I wrecked it like really uh, a lot. Um, but um, my way into extreme music must. I think it was something about there was something about the energy 
um i to begin with i felt like i couldn't say for me that i was specifically drawn to the anger or anything like that um i just liked that it was it was high energy um but um the more i i explored like i i i borrowed huge stacks of cd's uh on the local library and just went through through it all um and uh today i think i did uh dive into it mainly to as a way to connect with some of the feelings that i've uh, felt were forbidden or otherwise you know dangerous wow as a five-year-old that's great well that's how it started but my my parents didn't know (laughs) (laughs) so what music do you guys listen to outside of your own when you're like recording and stuff what what's your go-to comfort music are you asking about what i'm listening to right now yeah sure uh yeah because i listen to a lot of stuff but i've been obsessing with uh well, uh, do you know Phoebe Bridgers? No, I don't. Uh, she's a really great songwriter. That and something... I think there's something about uh, recovering emos uh, or uh, uh, people who used to be into that and uh, are kind of my age at the moment and ha- has a bit of more nuance uh, to some of their lyrical aspects and also gives place to more melancholy that's that's kind of where i'm at um phoebe bridgers uh wrote a cover of uh that funny feeling by bo burnham uh the comedian Uh, and uh it's really sad and also really nice um so yeah I listen to a lot of sad music now. Yeah. Hey, I was just looking through my Spotify and actually what I've been listening to quite a lot um, recently has been a, a band called uh, Teenage Wrist, an American like oh, that was a good. shoegaze band, which is, uh, I think, really amazing and energetic and uh, just uh, gives, me that, uh, gives me that 90s feel uh, that I'm always uh, keen on. So that's been great. Um, but some of my my like go to uh, bands are always like Deftones and um, yeah. And actually, I've also been in period uh, been into uh, Typo Negative a lot. Uh, mm. uh, enjoyed their sound and uh, also again Melancholy, uh, which I think is uh, yeah super satisfying to to listen to. And so that's been the, the period that I've just been into. So you guys listen to sad music. Hey, sad music vibes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) See, for me personally, if I listen to sad music, I feel sad. And I know for some people it's like the opposite. Like they feel like it lifts them in some way. It makes them uh, happier. But I just, it just depresses me so much. (laughs) But I get it. It's really cool. Um, So when you're performing, because you guys live are absolutely amazing like the energy and just the sound and like Kim you're all up in the audience like stage like diving and like you stand out in the audience and you sing and it's just the energy you guys give it it's it's amazing 
do you also get that energy off the audience like is it a cathartic experience for you what's it like it depends on the headspace that i'm in Mm. Uh, when I enter um, like each concert or each uh, experience mm. if so if you can describe it like that um, but all, all concerts are give and take like uh, at least that's what I'm trying to communicate as a front man that's why I step into the audience I make people feel a part of what they're experiencing I don't want them to look at their phones I want them to be present yeah. Um, I want them to absorb the atmosphere just as much as I do. It, it, I think I've said this in multiple interviews, but I, I'm I, I think I might be Nikolai's biggest fan in in that point, uh, um, uh, considering songwriting, because this is music that that gives you an opportunity to soak in um, not just one feeling but multiple. Uh, mm -hmm. feelings you get to go through like some sort of narrative um and um i try to as to the best of my ability to put some body into that yeah and you you do it so well like i your concerts are genuinely even if i'm with someone i don't say a word to them like they could not be there like i'm just i'm watching you guys and i'm listening and i'm like soaking it all in and it's just it's really amazing what about you, Nikolai? How is it to perform? It's a. Uh, I'm not the most energetic guy uh, on the stage in, in Mull. I think uh, him, of course, takes the kick, but also the other guys are a bit more energetic than me. Um, and uh, I think that yeah, it, it, when when I can feel that the crowd is also feeling it, it definitely affects me, uh, and also. Kim is also can pulling me into a more sort of energetic state, uh, so I, I kind of feed off uh, both the, the band and uh, the band audience as well. Yeah, so, so uh, Kim is definitely a, a hype man. That's in all. I tend to very focused on on doing guitar, so I'm not necessarily focusing on you know running across the stage, and uh, I, I really like um, you know. Playing, training on the instrument, yeah, playing, um, that's what I like, and yeah, of course, it's also amazing to be in front of people doing it, um, yeah. You guys, you recently played Copenhagen, right? How uh, was that? I mean, yeah. the, the the footage and the pictures that I've seen, it looked great, and I I knew a lot of people that were there as well and said you guys were fantastic. How was it for you? Yeah, it was it was amazing. I think um, last time we played uh, on Copenhagen, it was. Uh, at midnight so i think i don't think we really could see how many people were there but uh, this time i think uh, there were quite a lot of people and that's always so um um it gets me nervous uh, if i can say so so um but but you know when the music starts playing and you can see that everything is going fine and it wasn't it was an amazing experience and also for me it was kind of cathartic in a way because i hadn't been playing with the band for a while because and I haven't had that much time and I've been touring, I have a child and, and so on. So this was a great opportunity for me to kind of get back into the live game. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, that was also really reassuring for me that it's uh, an amazing thing to be on the stage and that I'm very lucky also to, to be able to do so and with uh, five other great guys. Yeah, and it was really nice to have you back. The it's kind of weird because uh, having other people play your compositions is, is something else. Uh, but 
I think I've mentioned to, this to you a couple of times, but it's you you have a a specific way that you play that just makes things soak and you know it, it stretches it 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 bends it, it 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 yeah like that's that's one of the key components where I just feel like well I don't know. I feel that every concert is a Myrtle concert, but this concert really felt like some puzzles were put together back again in some sense. Um, mm. I think it comes down to sound uh, and the 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 feel of I can't describe it in 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 English terms, but some spill. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah, like playing together and knowing, you know, how people each and each and every element complements each other. Yeah. That um, and uh, yeah, it it was like seeing a puzzle, like fully, uh, fully complete. Um, you know, we all look look pretty giddy and pretty, uh, yeah, like in our finest duds, mm-hmm. um, and um, we dressed for having a good time and we really did um for me emotionally i felt that concert uh did something like special for me but mostly because i've i've been i've been pushing diorama our our final track like in front of me for a long time um so being able to play that with Catherine shepherd from uh sylvain that was um it was it was a it was a boundary for me to cross because usually i i find myself masking a bit with the screams and um with all of the extrovert energy uh but it felt so freaking naked singing uh <laughs> and um but that's also the vulnerability that i'm i'm seeking through the music uh to you know not to be necessarily i know i'm performing i know i'm a stage person but personally it it was just mm, it was like a picture perfect moment for me um and uh like during the rehearsals i couldn't or at least the first ones i just couldn't look the the other guys like while playing it because it was just the song and the the contents of the lyrics is just it summarizes a lot of the journey that i've been through through the last couple of years um dealing with my own trauma and dealing with uh with how life is in general um so there's like a verse line in it that says uh in danish mm. um, Mit minde et fængsel forladt, jeg rejser mig midt i trængsel med viljen vendt mod solen i nat. Um, yeah. That last last part with uh, my will turned towards the sun tonight. That is, that is, uh, well, that's really personal. And in some sense, that's kind of the mantra that I've been living out on. And I know that... Um, not necessarily all of the other guys feel the same way, but I saw people in the front row 
just as emotionally engaged as I was. And it had the, the respect and the sensibility that the track required um, without somebody playing, shouting, play something with Slayer. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that sense of respect and for the song, because it was, I, I, I believe this might have been the most quiet song of, of the whole festival. Um, so there was a sense of, I don't know if I, it feels a bit uh, weird to say awe, but there was an awe inspiring like feeling, um, not just for me as a performer, but I could just see people closing their eyes and just, you know, shouting, singing along. And for me, that, yeah, that's worth something. I imagine, like, that, that's a beautiful song. Like, I cry every time. It's very, yeah, it's very emotional. It's, it's beautiful. I wish I could have seen it um, live. You can cause... get to. Hmm? You can get to, though. We, we did record it. Awesome. Yeah, that is a... Just that album for me, I mean, I talk about it all the time and I've said this to you before, but it's it's my top three albums ever made for me personally. It's it's stunning. Um yeah. So if you're having if you're having a bad day, for example, you're you're just you're low or you're sad or angry or whatever it is, does that help you perform? Does it hinder you? Um how does it how do those like your personal emotions affect your performance? I think everything that has proceeded throughout a day before performing sort of uh, I, I can always find some hinge or something uh, emotionally that that anchors me to some specific part during a set mm. so I might have had a pretty shitty load in or something happened on the bus or anything like that, like on tour. Uh, but I think it just, because the, of the emotional um, spectrum that we're, that we're um, operating on, um, I, I feel there's room for those emotions. Mm. Uh, I have not experienced that in any other band. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so so happy about actually performing in Mull. Um, so there's there's definitely a sense of of getting to uh, blow off steam or unload in some sense uh, during a performance like that, um, and uh, I think the general feel at least for when I see my friends perform uh, is, you know, wow. Okay. So that was something, you know, everybody feels somehow elated. If you don't focus on, you know, the technical box or anything that might have happened, you know, it, it happens. That's, that's just a part of the game. And you can take the whole experience for, you know, um, that hour that you've set off, to soak or to be present right there. Mm. And that has a profound um, 
I think it has a profound impact in why I'm doing music in the first place. For, for me, um, I think my state of mind generally affects my own performance. Uh, I think previously um, I have been very sort of focused on what can go wrong uh, mm. during a performance and all the technical aspects of it. And I've had my share of uh, technical fuck-ups um, to say so like amps stopped working and my pedal board uh, having a bad connection. And so I've tried all the things that you don't want to have happen on stage. Um, and that's all kind of affected me at least and made me nervous. And I think um, that kind of clicked with me at, at the last Copenhagen show where, you know, kind of just, if it happens, it happens and yeah. um, just let it go and deal with it when and if the, um, the technical hiccups happen um, because what I've experienced previously is that if you kind of focus on all those um, things that might happen, it also affects my performance at least. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've tried to sort of let it go and then again, be more in, in the moment again, because I, I don't think there's any reason to like speculate, okay, when we come to this song, uh, this might happen and I might play this wrong. And, and so on, as soon as you start letting that go, it then um, it becomes a little bit easier and more more enjoyable. I also think it makes you more present. That's actually some of the same yeah. things that I I mentioned. Like you know, you can focus on all the things that can go wrong, but when 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 you're playing, you just have to go with it. And I've and just to say, you know, there's a quick example. Like, do you remember when we uh, played our first show? Uh, a tr train um mm. that that train gig with with performing diorama uh, or tracks from from the album like one of the key things that i took from that experience was actually having to amass in, in the audience uh mm. while some te technical difficulties happen and we 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 ended up with the backbone of uh, good musicianship where you know we you know play it like this is this might be a mistake in our head but don't let it face you lean into that feeling lean into you know whatever happens here and because that we can trust each other so much in that you know we're really dependent on on ken on having the beats right and all of that but you can't plan for something like that and that's where something beautiful happens. So Tua, he was like, that is the best save of a technical difficulty I've ever saw because he heard the album uh, and he knew what was going on in that part, but we improvised. And that's one of the key things about playing music that can stretch and bend like that. We're not that tied up to... And well, while while we do play with MIDI and stuff and a metronome in our ears now, it it should never be something that keeps you so, um, what's it called, uh, locked in, so you aren't able to actually you know still perform during that. And that's where knowing um, that we can lean into each other's instruments and the and the atmosphere actually helps a lot i love that because i've i've spoken to some musicians and we talk about them they've mentioned also this kind of technical stuff and they just they say they freak out and then they like they cancel the rest of their show because they just like they've planned it down to every minute detail 
and maybe their song structures they don't allow for sort of improvisation or something and it says it just ruins them and they just freak the fuck out <laughs> but I love that you guys you can adapt I think that's really cool I think it's because we've made a lot of fuck ups during our time yeah. that yeah. has it has hardened us. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't remember that train gig as as um, <laughs> I remember it as quite uh, stressful and uh, yeah, it was taking a lot of, of effort. I remember again uh, fucking about with my own pedal board. It didn't work. It didn't work uh, uh, during the sound check, uh, and then it didn't work again after I tried to get it to work just before the concert. And oh yeah, so yeah, that was also quite stressful. So maybe uh, your experience as an individual musician might be, you know, wearing, oh, I didn't hit. Like, I know Ken can get bogged down about not hitting some notes and stuff like that. But uh, if you focus on the big picture, like it was a show and we gave people a very good time. Um, and uh, I think that's that counts as something. Hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I remember seeing you guys at um Musik Musel in two thousand and Oh yeah. Twenty That that was with the uh, Sigurd, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. I think so. Exactly. Um that was that was wild. That was very intimate. That was very unique. I love that. That was a very crowded room. <laughs> there was yeah, there was not that many people in the audience, but they were like tightly packed. I was standing side stage, like filming. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was amazing. I remember. I also remember that because there were so many people, I was like, I'm going to walk all over that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I kept tripping over, like, not tripping over, but like, I was standing on your cables and I was like, Can, like, am I allowed to do this? But no one's telling me to move. So I'm just going to stay here and film it. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything went on that gig. That was a proper floor show though. Mm. Yeah, that was amazing. I've never been in. I've never seen anything like that before or since. It was great. <laughs> cool. Do you believe that there is a personality type to required to be an extreme musician, like or an extreme metal musician, or do you think it varies? I think I've seen so many different people, like re really different people, uh, in in extreme music, in music in general. So I'm like, you know, it, it's for all sorts of people. Um, but I think there is difference between um, people who feel like really comfortable, for example, touring or people who feel more comfortable, like, you know, doing their own thing in a studio and maybe never playing live. Um, at least I see... Well, I, I know some musicians that, you know, never perform live and, and are like, you know, I'm, I'm fine by this. And this makes this is an expression. I don't need uh, an audience or at least I don't need a, an audience in front of me um, to uh, to feel that I've I've uh, let uh, this composition like out into the world. And I think that's an escape for some people who are like extremely introvert or maybe ha has problems with, uh, you know, anxiety or anything like that. Mm. Um, it, it, it Music is just really, it's medicine in that sense. Um, so I don't necessarily see a specific type of personality 
um, it's actually pretty diverse uh, how how many different people like are engaged. Um, yeah, it's from all walks of life. I think yeah, that's also been my experience uh, meeting a lot of different people from all kinds of yeah social backgrounds and yeah. Um, yeah, I think again if we're talking about middle musicians um, and, and also the ones that sort of make it and the ones that come stay in the rehearsal space and also I think that it takes a little bit of some personal investment to kind of you know go the next step and get out and get go out and play a show and buy a, a studio session and buy some vinyls and it, that also takes a big step um, because you might not have that much money when you start out and uh, yep. it kind of has, has to come out of your own pocket and mm. um, so in that sense there's also a bit of I guess yeah, investment or, or, or danger in it as well and, and the leap of faith maybe um, yeah. yeah and there's no guarantee for success like there definitely isn't like <clears throat> But uh, the conundrum of being an artist in general, are you an artist just because you perform or before because you release something or are you, you know, are you just because you create, then you might be an artist. Um, are you an artist when you're recognized by, by people or not? That's one of the, like, at least one of the talks I had with my brother because, like, we used to play in a band me and my brother uh but he he hasn't released anything but he loves composing uh and like to me he's still a really great artist and a great musician um but um yeah like it it requires as you said nikolai a lot of investment in especially you want to if you want to perform if you want to tour if you want to release there's there's just a lot of uh, additional pu uh, puzzle pieces that ha that has to go together because um at least how we as a band function like the music is is the key that's what unites us but but it is performing is just 20% maybe yeah and the rest is logistics and mails <laughs> and traveling mm, exactly yeah. yeah yeah i often ask i ask musicians um what's the best and worst part of being a musician and they always the worst part is the traveling <laughs> whenever uh, i ask people so well is that the same for you guys for me personally i hate i hate being in a tour van i really hate it <laughs> uh, <laughs> i hate being in a bunk and uh, spending a uh, like eighty percent of my time in a in a car, and it doesn't do anything good for my mental state, at least. So mm. yeah. I'm the opposite. <laughs> okay, you love it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also what you take out of it, because like, uh, like the best tours I've had must come down to at least having uh, people that you really enjoy being around. Um. I think the worst tours are the ones that where you 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 feel drained afterwards, but not necessarily from playing, but of of people that you find either annoying or really troublesome. Um, and um, there's just a lot of that social dynamic that that spills into you know uh, touring, and it does put a a big 
mental pressure on you. Um, like um, our last tour, our headliner tour was really good. It reminded me of some of the early tours, especially the one with the uh, Ghost Bath. Mm. That was that was really nice, but it was because we could take things in our own at our own pace. So that that last tour that reminded me of that. Um, um, but the tour prior to that was was not great, at least for my behalf, because I went uh, through a divorce and that was pretty rough at that time. And uh, it just, there was just a lot of external pressure uh, surrounding that tour. And uh, I definitely did not feel great uh, while touring or before touring or after touring. Um, but it's, you know, it's also about what you take with you into that. So just to round things off, um, we're almost done, but I do this with everyone that I have as guests on my podcast and it's just a little game to end on a little bit of fun. Um, and it's called gift or curse. So it's very simple. I, I will tell you one at a time, five different things. And then you guys can tell me if you think it's a gift for the world or if that thing is a curse upon the world. Okay. Are we going to have different yeah. answers to your life? Different oh, yeah, we'll see. It's very good. The last question, <laughs> the last question, I've asked all my guests this, including my mother, who has been a guest on this. Um, it, 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 it provides very interesting answers, but that'll be number five. So number one is the classic pineapple on pizza, gift or curse? It's a gift. I love it. It's a curse. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Fruit does not belong on pizza. No, no, no. Some fruit, but not that fruit. What, which fruit? Oh, yes. uh, you know, uh, tomatoes, they are... That, isn't that a fruit? No. They're, a com they're a compound uh, vegetable. It's not a fruit. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, what have I tasted? I tasted mangoes on a pizza once. That was actually pretty good. Okay. I know that I have a Swedish friend and they put banana on their pizza. Oh, uh, no. I know. Yeah. that's just wrong it's so wrong yeah um would you go with a banana pizza nikolai sorry would, would you, you go with a banana pizza no i don't think so it has to have that uh, the that, that pineapple crunch for me yeah okay <laughs> um <laughs> yeah number two smartphones and i'm thinking in respect to the fact that everyone thinks they're a photographer, everyone thinks they're an artist because they can go out and take. Are they are smartphones a good a good tool for that, or not? Are they a gift or a curse? I'm gonna let Kim answer. Yeah. It depends. It's holding the camera. <laughs> yeah. I can I can take good photos with a smartphone, but not everybody can. But that's because you're a photographer. You have an eye for it, right? But that might. Yeah. But people, they use smartphones for different purposes, purposes, you know. This is true. Like some to remember, remember the concert. And then I'm like, can I grab your phone? Mm. Use so your you brain to remember it instead. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Sorry, that was me. 
Nikolai, how about you? Uh, I think uh, actually when when after shows we all often spend time looking at Instagram <laughs> yes. stories uh, of people who've tagged us at shows. So we, uh, we, yeah. we in that sense, it's kind of a gift. Mm. Yeah. Was it good? Did I play well enough? Oh, did fuck. I play well? Was that a mistake? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, he did it again. Let's play it one more time. Yeah. <laughs> Kim was offbeat. Yes, again. Okay. <laughs> um, so number three, quite specific to Danish people, and people listening might know what this is, but steak flesh with specific sauce. Like, do you want to explain what that is for people listening? Yeah, it's it's a it's like it's a would you say of... it's Dan it's like the Denmark like national dish right I don't want it to be the Danish no. national dish <laughs> please no yeah. I think it is actually I think it probably oh. is would we say it's it's like oven roasted is it like pork belly yeah yeah it's a lot of fat and some meat uh, it's from, meat yeah, and then like what we call and then, crackling and on then top. partially sauce gravy yeah. yeah yeah like a white sauce if you're from the south of london it's like liquor what they call liquor it's like this it looks like jizz on a plate with like parsley in it <laughs> it's not my thing i mean no offense because i get that danish people love it but do you guys think it's a gift or a curse curse yeah i think it's a curse and i also think that the, the danish should eat, eat less pork yeah. It's a pork and potato heavy diet. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I've had had this dish at points where I was really drunk and I was like, this is the best thing ever. Uh, But uh, then I come to my senses and I'm like, what did I do to myself? Why is my stomach feeling so funny? (laughs) I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Whenever I get served, I just eat the potatoes. I don't eat anything else. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're agreed on that. Um, number four, the public transport system. And I will just preface this by saying in Denmark, as someone who has lived in four different countries, the Danish, uh, three different countries, not four, the Danish public transport system is amazing. Clean, it runs on time, unless there's spoil, but that's what that is. Um, Gift or a curse? What are you guys think? I think it's a gift. Um, I work. I live in in, uh, in a small town outside of Copenhagen, and I uh, commute into Copenhagen by a train, mm-hmm. and that runs like clockwork usually. Um, yeah. So I I enjoy I enjoy it and rely on it. Mm-hmm. Kim, I didn't feel as good about it yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw your Instagram story. <laughs> But mostly because of all the people who went to Roskilde and uh, I couldn't make the first train. And then <laughs> it was really crowded with a lot of people smelling like. Oh, he froze. He froze. <laughs> what did they smell like? Kim? What did they smell like? Piss. <laughs> <laughs> they smelled like piss and I had to sit in it for four hours straight. Ugh. That sounds hideous. <laughs> well, but it's uh, it's cleaner though. It's greener and cleaner to travel that way. Yeah, I would have preferred teleportation, <laughs> but uh, 
if I can't have it, I'll t I'll I'll take I'll take it. Yeah, me too. I'm an avid user of my Reisecode. Can I call it both a gift and a curse? Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, that's uh, fair. I would agree. This gift is a curse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ambivalence. Yeah. So number five, <laughs> um, flavored condoms, gift or curse? There's the face. <laughs> Trust me, I've asked everyone this, like massive, famous people that have mm. been on my podcast, my own mom, you know, it, there's some great answers to this, specifically flavored ones, not just condoms in general. Well, it's it's a leap if the peop, the person you're with and you've cho chosen the wrong flavor. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. My one pineapple or banana. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gift or curse? From the male perspective, I've had both the male and female perspective on this on my podcast. I've not tried one. Hmm. Yet. So um, I can't your poor, say if your poor wife. <laughs> if it is a gift for the other, it might be if it's your favorite flavor. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Did you know they make bacon flavored ones? Oh, please, God, no. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other, the other thing tastes as bacon, too. So, I mean, it shouldn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> not yeah. after a week at Roskilde. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> That's a good point. Oh. And you might want the condom flavor. Uh, yeah, the flavored condoms. Yeah. 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 if you refuse to take a shower yeah. then yeah flavor comes on the way to go <laughs> yeah. and then it's a gift yeah yeah it must be a gift then yeah. in that situation yeah, yeah. okay so that is, the, yeah. that is the resounding male opinion that i've had on here is they don't really think about it much they're just like well it's a gift because it means i get my dick sucked great and i'm like no no <laughs> no no anyway yeah <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, guys, for your time after your travels and your jet lag. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I love your music. I love what you do. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having thank us. You. Yeah, thank you so much. I uh, hope you have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Yeah, see you soon. <laughs>